Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Comics Pals. Uh, please do, if you're watching live, just make sure to let us know that you can hear us. Uh, <laughs> no Tyler, so we are... Um, we uh, are... You, ain't, you hadn't read the chat yet? Murphy's oh. kidnapped him. Oh, oh, oh I no. see. I didn't realize... I didn't realize that Matt was the reason why Tyler wasn't here. Yeah, yeah. He says, make highlighted messages 100 points again, and you can have them back. <laughs> I, I say keep him. I Dude, say keep him. Tyler, uh, Matt, I would do anything to not have to host the stream. So if that's what it'll take, you got a deal, brother. <laughs> now i got to figure out how to do it, right? <laughs> it seems like we're good, right? You guys can all hear us. Everything's okay. If that's the case, then we're going to roll on. Uh, say hello as you join us. Uh, hello, Catherine. Hello, Harris. Yeah. Yeah, Welcome. We're okay, we're looking, we're looking hot. Looking good. Um, yes, this is episode 309 of the show. Thank you guys so much for joining. We appreciate that. Uh, we do have a big announcement to make as I teased, but I want to give just a few minutes for people to join us live who might want to you know, hear that uh, before we get into it. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we are going to be what? at New York Comic Con. Oh, oh that's shit. Di- that's a different announcement. Yeah, that's, a, that's, not, yeah, that's not the main announcement. That's, that's like, a, huh? Wait. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be where? <laughs> well, unfortunately, you won't be there, Kale. But Oh, shit. We have had this idea. Oh, thank you, Harris, for the, uh, for the subscription. What's Appreciate good? That, buddy. I thank you, to- Catherine, for the compliment. That's right. Oh, it's the kind of validation oh, we need. Yeah, please listen. You don't even know. Um, uh, so we're going to be at Comic Con, which is always a great time. We have this idea of taking Kale along, at, you know, on an iPad or whatever. Yeah, making Stick him along. like Krang, um, yeah. the the TMNT villain, or I guess uh, what's his name from Marvel, uh, Zola. Yeah, he's got a yeah, yeah, yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did they steal that from Marvel? Or, Probably. I mean, yeah. TMNT Probably. was like a whole riff on Daredevil, anyways, right? So. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun at Comic Con. If you will be there, uh, we've got shirts. Um, Marco, are you gonna have a shirt? I'm gonna have a shirt. I'm gonna have a shirt. I can yeah. I can bring shirts. Yeah, we're gonna have our our Comic Con or our Comics Pals shirts, so you will be able to tell that it's us. Run up, say hello. Uh, we move with cameras. We're very often in Artist Alley doing interviews, so uh, if you see Marco shooting me or Tyler or whichever way it goes, feel free to come on, say hello. Uh, we'll you know take a picture with you. Um, you know, we'll give you a fist bump, maybe a you know, maybe a handshake, whatever. A pleasurable head nod. In in this economy, a handshake. <laughs> COVID rates going up. You're getting the handshake. You get monkey oh, pots, sir. bro. Get that. Oh, even con, worse. Con crud 2.0. Oh yeah. You know what? On the second be thought, like, better be touching elbows. Yeah, it might just have to be like a yeah, like an elbow deal, but with the full, <laughs> but the long sleeve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Be lucky contact. to get it. Lucky to get a nod across the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's that's going to be happening soon. We're really excited. Uh, we'll be sharing more information about Comic-Con 
uh, as it gets a little closer. But again, that is not the announcement. Are we, you think we're ready to make the announcement without the plane flying in the, in the background? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we have done many, many interviews on this show at this point. 300 and some odd episodes, 309 to be exact. And we have had a lot of great guests. I think that pound for pound, the guest that we are about to announce is at the very least the biggest comics guest we have had on the show. Yeah, almost undoubtedly. Who do you think is the biggest other than this one? The only comp the only person I could say might be bigger and it's debatable is Tony Schiavone because Tony's on TV every single week. Mm, um and um, has been on TV for 30 years. That's fair. Probably but, yeah. seen by more people, you know, than Jeff. Um Oh. Oh, come <laughs> on, Sean. Well, that that's okay because the announcement is that we are having our biggest guest ever. And it is none other. It is none other than Jeff Johns. Jeff, motherfucking Johns. Jeff, motherfucking Johns is coming on to the Comics Pals. Next, replacing me. Replacing Marco next Saturday at ten fifteen a.m. Eastern. Live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Comics Pals. Come through. If that announcement doesn't mean anything to you, let me explain. Jeff Johns is the man who revitalized The Flash for DC, revitalized Green Lantern for DC, had what I believe, Kale, correct me if I'm wrong, is a celebrated run on Superman. Is that not correct? Action Comics? No, no, no! It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, Superman. No, I know he had a run. He did have a run, yeah. I, and I think it's good, but it's—I don't know if it's celebrated. Blackest Night. Yep, that's you know that's a big deal. Uh, worked on several of the DC film properties in an executive producer role. I believe he either wrote a, a draft or consulted on the script for Green Lantern. Um, he had some parts play in that. Yeah. So he's his fingerprints are all over the last 20 years of DC in general. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be able to pick his brain about that stuff. We're also going to talk about Junkyard Joe, which is the new uh, Jeff Johns book uh, with Gary Frank. And Geiger, which Junkyard Joe is sort of a spinoff of. So we will have that interview coming for you guys next week. Show up. Show up Tell with your questions. Tell your friends to show up. Yeah. Um, tell your friends. Tell your family. If you have questions for Jeff Johns, we will take them at some point. If you have comments mm-hmm. for Jeff Johns, we will take them at some point. Um, this is we are, yeah. We are going to ask hard-hitting questions like, what was it like fielding a call from a young Phil Casey? <laughs> how, how do you feel about starting his career? I think that other than a Grant interview, this is the one that Phil would most regret missing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, I am over the moon excited. 
this is huge. Especially, especially uh, reading Blackest Night for the book club. And going through that again, I went, oh, man, just it's like it's going back and it's just like it's it's like remembering a really good meal and the yeah. first time you had that meal mm-hmm. like you know no matter how you go back to it it's not quite the same as when you did it the first time but you're just like oh this was so good yeah man i uh i i have this uh omnibus for the the green lantern run um and i you know i have not read that stuff so i read uh, Blackest Night, and I think I might have read like the Green Lantern, the 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 War with the Yellow Lanterns. That was Sinestro Core War. Sinestro Core War. Thank you. Yes, yeah. but yeah. I never read anything before that ever. Green Lantern. So I'm gonna dive in that way. When we get to this interview, I look like mm. I've been reading fucking Jeff Johns for 20 years. Day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the Flash either. I want to do that. Um. No, no. Uh, his flash stuff, it's older and it's a bit more, um, it's a bit more sort of boots to the ground comic writer stuff. Yeah. Whereas this Green Lantern stuff is like you can tell from like day one he's building up to Blackest Night, mm. and right. you know, I, I guess what came after, but, um, like Green Lantern is like that was his project. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe a maybe I I had said this to someone the other day and I, I kind of stand by it a, a top three, um, DC creator. Easy, right, yeah, easy, yeah. And that's what he's known for too. It's like it's not you know, I, he has done Marvel work, but it's like it's not a ton. Right. So has he? I don't know him bits any, and bits and pieces here and there. I think he did a. Uh, a, a story arc of something could could have been Avengers. Looks like it is, yeah. Okay, oh, that's probably good. Um, and then uh, I he, I feel like he did a a Spider Man in one of the anniversary issues or something, uh, an annual maybe. But like, yeah, known for his DC work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I can't wait. I hope you guys decide to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, and it'll be a lot more fun and a lot better if we do have, you know, uh, listener questions and stuff like that. I'm sure Jeff will appreciate it. We'll appreciate it. So save the date, as they say, uh, because that is what is in our future. And we'll be putting, we'll be blasting this on socials and stuff. So for sure, come through. Yeah. If you want to stay up to date with us in general, and if you want to support your boys, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where for as little as $3 a month, uh, you can give us a helping hand and get our newsletter. Uh, Kale put out his newsletter this week. Um, we have the After Dark show, uh, our Patreon-exclusive show, Palling Around. Uh, we have... All sorts of cool stuff. One of the coolest things is that you can get a superhero or supervillain nickname and get your name shouted out on the air like these beautiful people. Thank you to Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro, the Night Stalker Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, who is doing really well health-wise. So happy to hear that, Brian. Mm. 
Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum, Mike Elliott, Starcross, Catherine Stars, and The Ultimate Fighter, Snake of Talons. Thank you all so much. We appreciate your support, as always. Twitch.tv slash TheComicsPals every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for this show. 6 p.m. Thursdays Eastern for Pals Pulls. This week, we reviewed five different books, two listener submissions. Yeah, you guys went um, in. Yeah, Exterminators, which was nuts and uh, very good. And Bloodshot, our first Valiant book, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Tyler seemed to dig it, too. Um, if you want to submit a listener pick to us, choose any comment box anywhere that will see it. And uh, that counts. Mm. And if we want to do it, we'll do it. If you can get other people to vote for your pick, uh, <laughs> two, three, four is better than one. Yeah, That's grease those palms. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Hey, uh, quick Comic-Con question. Will you guys be there the whole weekend? Yeah. yeah Friday, yep. uh, Thursday to Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Oof. Thursday to Yep. Exactly. Remember that the grind? Weekend. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember it. I'm... My feet can feel it already. I know, right? Um, <laughs> the last Comic Con, I had to take a, I took a, a, a an Uber to Outback Steakhouse because <laughs> my girlfriend and I were just too in shambles to do anything else. And I remember there was a point during the con where I was sitting in a corner on the on on one of the walls. I think it was after the um, the Nicholas Draper Ivy interview, and I was just taxed. Because I believe yeah. that was on Sunday. It was the last day. And I was taxed. I just couldn't do it anymore. But we, we continued on that day. But I needed that Outback Steakhouse steak. But I couldn't physically walk there. And I couldn't get to the train. So we took a lift. And we took a lift home. Yep. It's too much. walk after an Outback, Outback Steakhouse either. Yeah. Oh, even worse, yeah. That blue no onion, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got a lot of cool stuff cooking. Uh, youtube.com slash the comics pals head on over there hit that subscribe button it's free to do helps us out a lot more than it costs you um we've got some listener comments this week so kale why don't you take it away all right this one is from dan trudeau on episode 308 Dan says, while The Winter Soldier was very influenced by paranoid spy thrillers, it was still an action movie that ended with a bombastic superhero battle. I'd love it if Secret Invasion leaned even harder into the intrigue, but I share Kale's reservations. Almost like Kale's right. Uh, this, the trailer looks promising, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's the type of show I want it to be. Also, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who didn't love Rogue One. Uh, overall, I'm just not excited about the multiverse storyline for the MCU. I don't trust them to adapt the Hickman Avengers run as it doesn't fit into the MCU mold. I, I wanted to address the last point on that one because I think after we read for the Thor book club, the, the God Butcher stuff, um, I had the, that same exact feeling about how the that MCU style and, and, and the mold and some of that lightheartedness doesn't mesh as well with what I expected uh, to come out of the book or that adaptation from book to screen. But I think the way that I've been thinking about some of these is uh, un under that understanding that 
it's not going to be a direct translation. Some of the grittier pieces, some of the more, I guess, uh, apologies for the play in the back. Some of the, some of the, the better like ideas that get discussed throughout the the series and stuff that has weight and and value. While those things might not necessarily be there, I think the MCU is capable of creating an entertaining movie in the context of how they are telling the story. And so while it's not going to be the same exact thing with the the same level of nuance, I do think that I have fun with the films. And I was pretty, while I wasn't totally in love with um, Love and Thunder, I, I had a good time. And I think that to me was the the more important lesson coming out of it is whatever adaptation they're doing next. I'm gonna go in with the understanding that one, we're probably gonna do a book club about it and read it and read it and get that context. But two, I think also, um, you have to go in with that, for me without that expectation because then otherwise you're kind of setting yourself up to be disappointed. And I don't think that's the best way to go into a, a movie, let alone a Marvel film. So I. I agree. I found myself, and this is not rare because Dan Trudeau is very often on target. Um, I agree with every single thing that he said. And I agree with every single thing you said, too. In that, you know, when you go into these movies, I learned the lesson around Iron Man 3 where it's like I can no longer go into these movies expecting them to do what the comics would do or what the comics have done. Because it just leads to, like, being a pain point for me. Civil War is my favorite, you know, event story of all time. And the movie version, you know, it does its own thing. But it's not as good as the comic. And I don't think that it hits any point that it's trying to make as as hard as the comic is able to. Despite whatever criticisms you might lay at the feet of the comic, I think it makes the point it's trying to make. And it does so in a way that you feel. Uh, whereas I think the movie is more focused on, you know, the action and some of that other stuff. Um, I have stopped caring as much over the last year about the Marvel movies. And I don't any longer believe that the multiverse saga, which is, you know, handled so brilliantly by Hickman... That it's going to land. Not because it won't be what the comic was. But because I just don't think that they can do it the way that it needs to be done. You know, you're talking about a movie that spans the entire multiverse. There are so many characters that are yet to be introduced. So many characters they still don't have the rights to. Um, it's really likely that there will be no X-Men uh participation I, at this point i i have no belief at all that the x-men will be in that film um yep. at least not as a pro like maybe you know we'll see a claw pop or something like that but not in a uh major role by any means um and even down to the directors that we know of not having the russos involved for me is a big l because they actually give a damn about that story. So I feel like they would bring the care that it needs. Movies aren't out yet. Obviously withholding judgment. I will be excited for them when it's time to be. But right now, I don't have that confidence that I normally would. It's not because they didn't adapt Thor Love and Thunder correctly. It's because I just don't think it's a good movie. 
And there's been a string of movies that I haven't enjoyed, you know, to the degree that I normally would. So I'm not feeling good about the MCU right now. Uh, Kale, did you want to respond to that before we hit his other point? Or No, nothing's changed for me. I, I think uh, as far as like the multiverse stuff goes, the, um, you know, I, I, I don't think as long as we've spent with the MCU, I don't think there's enough there for anyone to even start thinking about a multiverse. You know, we've got what if, and that is a, a taste of it. But even like, um, you know, the CW um, DC stuff did Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I think the reason that was quote unquote successful, as successful as it could be, is because they, you know, were able to build on one iconography. You know, you have Superman. Okay, cool. You've got another Superman who you know is Superman. So you kind of get the picture. Oh, but this one looks a little different. So there must be something else. Cool. We'll explain that. Oh, finally, Batman. Oh, he's in a cast. What's the deal with that? We can explain that. I, I don't think Marvel, at least the MCU, has as much recognizable iconography to build off of. That's an interesting point. I, th- I think I think that I, I think I get what you're putting down and the way I interpret what you're saying is like um, not only is Superman arguably the most recognizable superhero on Earth, but there have been a few renditions of that character mm-hmm. and they leveraged that for the show. Yeah. Um, I believe they did a similar thing with Batman. I haven't watched yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other critical factor is that your expectations for something like that are not as high because it's not a movie. It's a TV show. So the fact, like, I was shocked when I saw that they were bringing in uh, the multiple versions of Superman that have existed. I thought that shit was crazy. If yeah. they did that in a movie, that would be phenomenal. They did it on a TV show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool as shit. I think that's also why No Way Home was successful. Is because similar to Superman, Spider Man is another you know uh, top three world type you know top three icon. You know, just he's number three next to Batman, Superman, and then Mickey Mouse. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, uh, yeah, any. Yeah. Any commentary about uh, Secret Invasion, Sean? Yes, uh, I did want to respond to that. So first of all, I love what you said about Winter Soldier, Dan, because uh, when you said it, I was like, hmm, yeah, that is true. I think people have talked about the political spy thriller element of Winter Soldier and kind of trumped it up as being a little bit more a part of the movie than it actually is. Um, I think they use it for sure, and they use it effectively. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the movie, but it's, you know, it's a it's an action movie. Um, and there's nothing wrong with action movies at all. But it's not like watching the Manchurian Candidate or whatever, right? Like, it, it's, yeah. you know, come on. 
And I think people heard Marvel say that and they took it and ran with it. I don't think it's Marvel that has inaccurately, you know, sort of sounded the the drumbeat for that movie being what, you know, being a political spy thriller. I think that people heard that and they took that all the way and it's like, all right, pump the brakes a little bit. Um Yes, Kefis, we are interviewing Jeff Johns, and we are super excited. Hopefully, you will you will be able to be there. And if you've got questions, we definitely want uh, definitely want them. Um, as far as Secret Invasion goes, I think it looks awesome. I am excited. Um, you know, this started as a thing that I wasn't excited about because I felt like that was too big for a TV show. But based on what we saw. Based on the reports of kind of the vibe of the show, um, I, I'm getting hyped. Mm-mm. I'm getting hyped. It might be a no. mistake. Yep, you're gonna regret it. I might. No, I think I think it'll be good. I, it, it feels like it has the the energy to carry. Uh, for me, the excitement and like actually put it. I I, I the. As much as I was excited for when the trailers were coming out for Miss um, Marvel, mm-hmm. that's sort of where I'm, what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that kind of same, oh, this looks like it's being done and shot and produced well, and I'm excited for that. If, if I can get a well-produced Marvel TV show, then I'm more confident in in that the writing is probably going to be good. Sure. And and, and that's, another, that's another reason why I'm not as excited about the multiverse saga, like, the hell are you doing secret invasion for right now is that is that what is that what we should be focusing on like i i thought the focus was the multiverse um why blow well, that and, off? and we've we've sort we've sort of talked about this before but it's like why isn't secret invasion its own bigger saga. thing yeah like that could be a its own saga yeah absolutely can you imagine at the end of the movie seeing the scroll electra or whatever like that that would be as huge as Everybody seeing it, you know, when we first saw it in the comic books. My hope, Kale, is that what's happening is that they're seeding the Kree Scroll War. That is my hope. Mm. Mm. I that makes sense. We could see some of that in the the Marvels. Yeah. Yep. Because Captain right. Marvel dealt with stuff between those two. Secret yeah. Invasion will will you know hit that. The Marvels will hit it. That's my hope. <clears throat> could be. I could see a Captain Marvel three potentially having that tag to it, which sucks, but I could see that. But that's kind of how they do things now. Is yeah. yeah. All right, let's quit talking about that garbage. Let's talk about pals polls. Uh, Desmond Jones commented on the AXE Judgment Day number five review. Uh, Desmond says this event lost me when it stopped being a war between the Eternals and the mutants. There was so much potential there. X-Men Red is actually the highlight of the whole event with Storm and Araka. Oddly enough, Legion of X will show us what happened between David and Uranus this far along in the story. So, uh, for a little bit of context, um, David is Legion. Legion, yeah. Yes. And Legion helped prevent the eradication of <laughs> of 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 mutants on Araco, um, and is facing off with with Uranus. Um, I, you know, we talked, we did the review on Pals Pools. Go check it out. AXC Judgment Day, unfortunately, um, isn't 
wowing us anymore. It's losing us. Yeah, I don't know that it ever really wowed me. I thought the first issue or two were good, but it's kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, I, it's, man, this was the first Marvel event in a while that I let myself invest in, and I just wish I hadn't. This this was frustrating for me because I really started to enjoy the Eternals and what was being done there. I thought that was all excellent. And my, I guess, Isaac came to the hope and expectation that, well, they're going to make an event out of this, which has been so good. And they're going to bring in other characters. And I'm, like, I'm going to have fun with that. And then it turned out to be something that was not what I feel like was promised at the end of the day. Because to, uh, to Desmond's point here, like the it stopped becoming this battle between these factions, right? The Avengers are kind of just there, present. So the the versus thing just never really happened. And now yeah. I'm just mad that uh, the Eternals run stopped at, what, issue 12? Because that was good shit. I want more of that. And it's cutting in between <laughs> the good comics that I want to read. Marco's getting all sorts of superhero <laughs> comics lessons. Oh, your favorite your favorite characters and storylines are getting wrapped up in an event. Oh, sweet summer child. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. That's, Welcome to it. That's that that's that mid to late two thousands feel where like, hey, mm. you really love uh, I don't know, She Hulk and the, the, the hijinks that are going on. Well get ready for her to be the lawyer of speedball who is a murderer of children, who now (laughs) she has to represent. And now her book is radically different. Hope you like it. Uh, That that was actually pretty good, but I'm just, you know, that's just a random example. Was that with uh, Penance? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Thank you, Desmond. Uh, Justin asks on, on that same topic. He says, wait, didn't Wolverine respawn with his adamantium? Uh, fucking probably. So thank you, Hyper Viper, for that question. Uh, yeah, he definitely did. And I think that's dumb, too. But check it out. <laughs> At the very least, Wolverine's adamantium oh, right. is a part of his body, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at least we have that factor. Frankly, I think... And, yeah, go ahead. Well, and to, to back that up, like that would be in Professor X's like mental log of who Wolverine is, right? Yeah, and you can you can like make it make sense in your brain. Yeah, sure, sure. But Captain America's shield—is <laughs> there even enough space in that fucking cocoon? Why doesn't Cyclops ever spawn with his visor? Like at the end of the day, the answer is comics. But yeah. you know, I personally don't love it when a moment doesn't have logic in it like i would love for it to be like it was a cool ass visual don't get me wrong but my first yeah. reaction wasn't wow that's cool as shit my first reaction was what the hell <laughs> like that, yeah you know not to yep. be a stick in the mud but that's just that was my genuine reaction yeah why why not just have him born with the shield in his hand and he just explodes out of his mother you know <laughs> oh, my God. shield coming straight out of utero oh, God. <laughs> well he it was right him that and the american flag alongside like a baby eagle yeah, of course. There are some other uh, implications with that too. Like, could you just be- could you just like resurrect someone with like a million dollars? Could you like what what's the limitation on that power set? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. because technically the adamantium is not organic, nor was he like attached to it. It was placed on top of him after the fact. So I always expect mm-hmm. him to come out with bone shit, but he doesn't. So that would have been cool as shit. I wish Hickman went there. Mm. Yeah. 
Only Bone Wolverine? Yeah. And for the Krakoan era? That would have been hot. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. All natural. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's comics. It's comics, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I I wanted to do um one more cuz uh Nihilus had a comment on Palspools on the Discord. I forgot to include it in the notes. Uh great review this week, pals. Thanks for reading my pick. Nihilus's pick was Bloodshot. Uh, he continues on to say, and Sean Soapbox, go pick up 20th Century Men by Dennis Camp. The first issue blew my mind. Cool. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And hopefully, uh, hopefully that's not the last Valiant book that we do. I will be. Oh, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, and then Link had a question. Uh, apparently they performed that number from Rogers the Musical from the Hawkeye show live at D23. So my question is, without taking any bets, when? <laughs> why without taking any bets? Um, when is the first real-life MCU musical coming, and will oh. you go see it? Yes. Hard yes. For what series, though? Like, it'd have to be an Avengers-associated one, right? Like, how else would you pull that off? Is there like a musical villain? Not uh, who's the Spider-Man one? The Hypno Hustler. Oh my god! What? That is not (laughs) any place they can go. Yeah, it wouldn't be. uh, It wouldn't be like the Music Meister, where it sort of makes sense, but (laughs) it's the only like musical themed villain I can think of. I I could see them doing. the Infinity Saga portions of that as a as a musical reinterpretation. Ugh. Venom Ugh. three. Oh, wow that that made me feel bad. Like I feel like you attacked me psychically <laughs> by saying that. Holy shit! <laughs> Might as well have said Morbius five. Oh, dude, I was at my friend's house. Morbius came out on Netflix, and my friend had that movie on, so I saw like. Uh, maybe like f- half of it, the and the last half of it. Yeah, and that shit fucking sucks. All I am dark. here to tell you now. Morbius sucks. It was rough. Damn, and we were gonna do that. We were gonna do that as a community event. We still can. We should plan it. We probably will. Yeah, we'll but need to. Damn, that movie was bad. The, the entire like last scene of just it being in pure darkness, like shitty CGI, is the whole situation. And what was up with that dude dancing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? I forget the actor, but yeah, Matt. Ryan? Matt Smith. Matt Smith. No. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was an abomination. Incredible. No, that uh, was Morbius. <laughs> Kale, I'm done with you professionally. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you so much to all the listeners who commented. We appreciate it. Send your listener picks in for Pals Pulls. Uh, try to get them in, you know, as early as you can. Um, and uh, we'll let you guys know. Well, we won't let you know what we choose. You'll come and find out. Uh, all right. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got news to deal with. We've got some news to talk about. First up, and I'm so glad Kefis is here. 
because the <laughs> first bit of news we're going to be talking about whoops, is Fantastic Four news. Uh, so while we don't have casting yet, uh, we do have the writing team for the Fantastic Four film. Uh, so Marvel has picked up Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer. Uh, they worked on a film called Disaster Wedding. Um, they're going to team up to to write this one. Now, Jeff Kaplan, am I? Does that name ring any bells for you guys? It is familiar. Yeah, Kaplan. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely have seen that name before. Um, Spelled with a K. Yes. Yeah, Kaplan. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the interesting part, though, about this news, because you know, ultimately, you know, how much do we care who's writing the thing? Um, the most interesting part of this news is that apparently, according to Deadline, um, Marvel is casting the film while it's being written. Huh. Okay. So they're casting right now. That's why D23's announcement was simply, hey, here's the director. Because they don't have anything else to announce yet. Mm. Which, for a movie that's supposed to come out uh, in 2024, for them for there to be no casting at all, and the writers still being, you know, like, just hired. And maybe they weren't literally just hired, but, you know, recently hired, I would imagine. That's a tight timeline, wouldn't you say? I think it's um, so. Two thoughts. One, you wouldn't you want the script to be done so that you can also know how you feel like the character should be brought to life before going off to casting. I feel like to have them being have it being written out, and they still need to find like these. The, the people that they want to represent the characters that might be tough um to do without that and yeah that being a super tight time timeline uh we're going to be what is it it's already september do we got three months left and it's 2023 like there's no way that they're gonna make i i don't think they're gonna make 2024 that seems way too 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 close oh they're gonna make 2024 mm. because mm. Kevin Feige, he don't let me down. Kevin Feige will make sure that I win this bet. He'll make sure that Kefis has to purchase an omnibus for me. Quite frankly, I think Kefis should buy it now because it's a done deal. This is over. This is, you know, it's done. Also, Jeff Kaplan, uh, video game designer for World of Warcraft and lead director on Overwatch. It, no, that no, no, has no, no, to no. be a different Jeff Kaplan because that's I what I know Jeff Kaplan yeah. from. Yeah, that's that's what was ringing, ringing around in my head too because I'm looking at his credits and it's this guy and he has like nothing. Right. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's – yeah. Um, I don't uh, – I don't think Marvel cares. I think they'll pay whoever to do whatever and they'll get what they want and at this point they'll get – you know, they'll get the billions of dollars they're looking for. At, to your point, Marco, about like casting while scripting, I think that matters a lot more in an environment where a 
It's not necessarily a um, a an IP film or product. Mm. Uh, the character that they're portraying generally matters more than who the actor is. I think there are rare exceptions to that. Like I think they had to get the casting right for X Men. They had to get it right for Iron Man. You know, certain things like that. Mm. Um, by and large, I think the MCU's casting is pretty pretty good. Um, but I don't think that the writer for a Fantastic Four movie needs to know who's playing Reed Richards to know how to write it because they know what they want Reed to be. The actor has to yeah. conform to the script, not the other way around, mm, I, yeah. I would imagine, for this. Mm. Yeah. Um, also worth pointing out that if they are the first screenwriters to be hired, then we probably don't see their exact rendition of the film. A lot of times, scripts go through rewrites. They don't necessarily use the first script that's written, and they don't necessarily use the first screenwriters that are hired. So, And even so, like, even if they're attached to the end, like, there will be tons of people who come on to punch it up, to add different, you know, sci-fi elements to it or whatever. Some of this shit gets rewritten on set. You know, you yep. know, like, yeah, yeah, maybe the maybe the uh, the thing actor is really a funny guy so they can lean more into his comedy and they and they, you know, they do yep. that on the fly. Um, yep. I, I, generally, I think of, of scripts as a baseline. And I think that's sure. kind of how that goes in Hollywood. Unless unless, you know, it's a very certain kind of movie. Uh, Kefis says, man, this bit is becoming as recurring as as we're watching. Yeah, man, we've got content on this bit alone for the next two years. What's up? And when I get that omnibus, you better believe that shit's going to be on Front Street. I'm going to have it. I'm going to show it on screen. I'm going to have that shit plastered up behind. I'm not even going to read it. It's going to be a trophy. Uh, Catherine says, do you think it will actually be a well-done FF movie? Yes, I do. Compared to what we already have seen, I think that Marvel has to achieve success with the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Good is subjective when it comes to the MCU because I am willing to give these movies more grace given the fact that I love the characters. I think all the Spider-Man movies from the MCU are awesome. Kale disagrees. Um, I think the casting was awesome. Kale disagrees. Who's right? I don't know. But for an MCU fan, I think they generally hit the nail on the head with this stuff. Therefore, I do believe the movie will be good. Yeah. Yeah, same. I I think specifically because they have to live up to, they have to correct an already uh, mired property. Uh, You you need to do something and knock it out of the park. So I think they have everybody working on this thing to be like, this is the mandate. We have to make it uh, fun, entertaining, a a movie that plugs in well to the rest of the MCU. And there's a lot hanging on it. So you, you can't fuck it up. You can. You can't fuck this one up. Yeah. But man, I this is gonna be this is gonna make these guys careers because, like I said, they have done nothing. Yeah, and like, where where did they find them? Well, uh, we have a little bit of uh, additional writing scripting news. Um, just a quick tidbit: apparently, Kang Dynasty is uh, in the about to be uh, written now, uh, and they found their screenwriter. Jeff Loveness. Now, this one I have information about. Mm. Jeff Loveness wrote Rick and Morty 
a lot of Rick Ooh. and Morty. Okay. All right. Um, now, also, uh, he wrote uh, the 89th Academy Awards. Wow. Okay. And 200 plus episodes of Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, wow. So make that make sense. Oh, he's gonna he's the writer of a Quantumania too. There you go. <clears throat> all the uh, all the jokes everybody hates Marvel for is uh gonna be on Front Street in uh Kang Dynasty. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, well Jimmy Kimmel confirmed part of the MC of the, the Marvel comics, right? He's he's been in the books. Yeah. Absolutely. He's gonna make a cameo here. Also, real quick, I thought we could celebrate together. Uh, Fantastic Four will not be delayed, but here are two movies that were delayed that I'm really happy about, and I hope they're delayed into infinity and beyond. Uh, Craven was delayed from January 13th, 2023. We were about to be hit hit with that fucking film somehow. Uh, <laughs> that's that's when fucking Morbius came out. It was January. Yeah, right. That's this, right. This year. And so guess what? It was delayed. This is the best news ever. No. For, oh, my God. What? Remember, they delayed Morbius because oh, yeah, they didn't want to step on Spider-Man's toes. <laughs> As if. As I if. They, re- they re-released Spider- uh, Morbius. It did worse. Like, yep. it, it, it did, <laughs> That's right. it did shit. Um, so, Craven was delayed from January 13th, 2023 to October 6th, 2023. Which, Fuck. how could that movie be coming out? It's still filming. What do we know about it? Nothing. There's no. Tra- I mean, we know who's in it, I guess, but there's no like. There's not. There's nothing. It's 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 nothingness. Um, <laughs> and then Madam Web is delayed from October sixth, twenty twenty three, which was which is the new Craven date, to February sixteenth, twenty twenty four. What? Not Madam Web. Yeah, Madam Web. Thank God. Oh, I no. good. You know what? Good because they need to figure out what the fuck they're doing with that movie. <laughs> I don't think that movie hits its its new release date. No, I, no, I, absolutely not. Yeah, no. I don't no. see how. So this one won't, but somehow Fantastic Four will. Yeah. Fantastic because because Sony, right? Listen, I know a lot about Sony. Sony is nothing if not incompetent. <laughs> that, that's what they do. They right, do bullshit. Enough. Yeah. They announced a Madam Web movie. Mm-hmm. That shit ain't coming out on time. Marvel's got a Marvel's got a machine now. Like they can fart out these movies and they'll be at least watchable. You know, Black Widow's not great, but it was watchable. Sure. sure. They yeah. have the entire visual effects industry on tap. They're working yep. them like slaves. They will mm-hmm. put out anything on time. Because if they have to, they'll strap them to a chair. And Kevin Feige himself, he'll multiply himself. LMDs, put a gun to their head. Finish this fucking visual effect. Now, we need this movie. It doesn't matter how it looks. Look at Mm She-Hulk. Just get it done. (laughs) That was just a joke. I'm not, She-Hulk looks fine. And Kevin Feige doesn't put guns to people's heads. But you get the point. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, Catherine, I think Fantastic Four will be fine. I, 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 I have... No concerns at all. It would take a trailer being shit to make me concerned. Mm, yeah. Um, but moving on from Marvel, uh, we've got some 
Harley Quinn news. So Harley Quinn is turning the ripe old age of 30. Uh, and it's wow. crazy. I know, right? Um, and so DC Comics is planning a big, big party for everybody's favorite uh, costumed clown. No longer the Joker. Now uh, we love Harley. Um, yeah, so better trade. Yeah, she's getting a new creative team. In March, uh, that'll that'll be uh, kicking off in Harley Quinn twenty eight, uh, and it's a pretty good team. Uh, Teeny Howard and Sweeney Boo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, the the image that we have up on the stream, if you are watching us on video, is uh, is promo image from this from this new run. Uh, you know, it's wow. Harley squatting, cards falling all over her, tongue out. She looks pretty, pretty cool. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this, and the reason why is because Teeny Howard has been doing some really good stuff over on uh, Catwoman. Mm. I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Teeny Howard. I wasn't crazy about. Um... The business X Men or whatever, yeah. But yeah, but everything else seems to be going really well. Yeah, heard good things. The uh, Sweeney Boo is a very different style from what we had because uh, Riley Rosmo has been on um, uh, on art for with Stephanie Phillips. Uh, I don't know if that's maintained throughout the rest of the run, but uh, definitely a different flavor. Pretty cool. That's not the only thing DC's doing to celebrate. Uh, we're also going to have some celebration at New York Comic Con. Um, hey. Yeah. There's going to be a, a pop-up, um, you know, set up outside of the Javits Center. There's going to be free Harley Quinn comics. There's going to be, you know, swag, various swag, uh, breakfast, uh, cupcakes. So, you know, maybe we'll have to refresh at the uh, Harley Quinn pop-up, Marco. <laughs> Yo, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Get some muffins. Can you imagine all the cosplay? Uh, actually, yes. I can. <laughs> I know exactly. Just, yep. Just be a normal Comic-Con, really, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. it would. I just mean all that centralized Harley Quinn. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I will spend much of my time there. Refueling on muffins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't even eat muffins, dude. I, and I don't eat breakfast, but I will be there, uh, you know, in solidarity with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, every every chance I have. Uh, 30 years of Harley Quinn. Wild. Is Harley Quinn, this is a, I, I have not thought this out. So, you know, is Harley Quinn the most successful character of the last 30 years? Who exists, hmm. like, not not counting anyone like Spider-Man, Superman, who's yeah, yeah. been created in that time frame. Probably. Miles? Miles Morales? I think, I think the thing with Harley, though, is she has staying power, and she's proven that she has staying power. Whereas Miles is, you know, a good character in his own right, uh, carried a bit by the Spider-Man name. Hmm. 
You know, yeah. and, and and I say this, I say this still as a fan of Miles, but he's you know a bit of a Spider-Man ripoff, you know, right, and they're right. kind of shoving him down our throats. I like it, but you know. I think your point on it being like the staying power, it doesn't feel like they prioritize Miles as much a lot of the time. Whereas yeah. with with Harley, you get you know you get her own series. She pops up in other books. She's been in the Poison Ivy book. Like there's a lot of more exposure with her versus Miles. And then the only other one I could think of, but I don't think it counts. I don't think it has the same like mass appeal or, or volume there. Uh, was Kamala Khan? Mm-hmm. She was the other the other one I thought of, uh, and yeah. I think when it comes to, I think those two characters are just a little too young yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people who are growing up now, uh, Kamala will be and Miles will be heroes that they stand and stand up for, and as those characters grow, their audience will as well. And whenever it happens that we see a Miles Morales film with a live action, you know, rendition and an actual actor um, physically playing that role, I think we'll see an explosion. Mm. But I don't know that in our lifetime, at least, there will be a time where the popularity of Miles stands on it stands in the same stratosphere as Peter Spider-Man. Um yeah. Whereas Harley has not certainly not eclipsed the Joker, but but Harley Quinn, she's her own thing. Like the yeah. the big four, the big three, quite frankly, at DC is Superman, Batman, Harley. It's not Superman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, and it's not yep. Joker either, or Aquaman. No, hell no. Um, yeah, and Kefis says uh, Miles doesn't have any movies. You know, Spider Verse. I guess you could say is a Miles movie, but it's also a lot of other people. And Miles would have to have a movie where he stands on his own and it, you know, does, you know, big numbers and stuff like that. And I think that time will come. It's just not right now. I think, too, that it's, you know, as good as it is, like there's an element of it that's probably looked down on because it's animated. I know that's where I come from, unfortunately. Not that that's right, but that's you. You, you are right. Does yeah. uh, does Spawn count? Um, interesting. Spawn, Spawn counts, but I don't think that Spawn has anywhere near the the cachet beyond Spawn fans that Harley does. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Spawn is as recognizable as Harley is. Spawn had one movie that, you know, people generally agree isn't good. Um, and after that, kind of vanished from mainstream media. So I don't think that uh, Spawn can quite be in that conversation. From a comic standpoint, yeah. Yeah, you're more likely to be a Spawn fan who likes Harley Quinn than you are to be a Harley Quinn fan who likes Spawn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, fair enough. Um. Yeah, yeah, Kefa. Spider Verse definitely is a thing, but you know, you big dummy. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> so yeah, number two, Harley Quinn getting her due. Um, I, I like it. I like it. I, I, I want to see. I want to see the films do 
I want to see the films do Harley justice. But I think I'm tired of the version which we've been seeing. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I want to see them do her justice, but I'm tired of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. You'd rather the, I... like the Harlequin costume and and that kind of character. It's never been done, you know, in the films. So that'd be that'd be interesting. I I don't know how you do that and keep her away from the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, Harley Quinn uh, turning 30, 30, 30, which 30, is very appropriate 30. for that character. Uh, Miles Morales is getting a new number one and a new creative team and returning to the classic costume. I think a lot of people didn't like the the more recent costume. Uh, it didn't feel right. That initial uh, Sarah Pacelli costume yeah. is Quite frankly, I think she nailed it in one. Um, it's iconic, and I think that that is the Miles costume. Obviously, Peter Parker changes costumes like I change underwear, but you he always, always get, end, yeah. He always ends up back at the at the old one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this news about the uh, new Miles Morales number one kind of flew under the radar, but. Uh, it's a new creative team. Cody Ziegler doing the writing um, and Federico Vincenti on art. Now, Cody Ziegler, if that name is unfamiliar to you, he did the uh, the Marvel voices for uh, for black people. Uh, the one that they put out a few months ago. I didn't know how else to say that. Quite frankly. Um, I guess I could have said that guy. I guess I could have for said, all the black people at Marvel. I could have said African American, but like that feels weird coming out of my mouth for some reason. So I just you know, um, he was like the sole writer, right? Well, he yeah, wasn't he was, the so. sole one, but it felt like he was because every other story was written by him. That's so. right. Yeah. Um, <sighs> this, is, <laughs> this is tough. It's tough because Cody, there's nothing wrong with Cody Ziegler. I thought that. Cody Ziegler did well in the Marvel Voices. The problem is that this is going in the opposite direction of what I was hoping for Miles. I really wanted them to announce a creative team that would bring people to the book without necessarily them having to care about Miles. Mm. That's the trick. Black Panther was not a character that sold comics prior to the Ta-Nehisi Coates run. And now there hasn't been a Black Panther. There hasn't been a time where there wasn't a Black Panther something on the stand since then, mm. because they they did it the right way. Yeah, Ta-Nehisi Coates is black. That's what you want. That's what you hope for. But if Ta-Nehisi Coates wasn't Ta-Nehisi Coates, Black Panther comics have a tougher road. He yeah. set the stage. That's what they have to do. And if they can't get him, and they can't get John Ridley, well, who the hell else do you get? Priest, you can't keep going back to that. Well, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, yeah, it is the. I don't think I've read anything else from him. So to your point, like, there's not a lot of cachet behind him. But if uh, I'm hoping similar to some of the other books that the, the way that more uh, DC will publish stuff, where you attach a creative team, kind of just like let it run. The same thing with the Riley Rosmo. Stephanie Phillips, Harley Quinn thing. People show up to that because Harley Quinn, they show up for the Harley Quinn character. I did for 
both the the creative teams i i really like those creators but in in this scenario i think if he has a story to tell being brought in by the miles morales moniker probably supersedes what your expectation is going to be and i'd much rather be pleasantly surprised than come into a big name who's just kind of going to tell you know a generic story for the sake of well i'm a big name and i'm uh, revitalizing the character yeah but how often have we seen that already like i think if you're a name you're gonna come in with a story to tell hmm. a good point. you know yeah. unless you're a bad writer <laughs> um i just you know i i just don't know who's here for a miles morales book you know i've said this several times on the show over the last two months i'm not gonna go on my soapbox again about it but Marvel has devalued Miles, and it almost, I would never claim this to be a fact, but it almost feels like it's on purpose. I just don't get it. I don't. Like, why is there not, and, and if there is, and I'm wrong, I'll eat crow. Why is there not a Miles Morales book for young people? Mm. Where's that at? Why is there not why is the last top tier writer to write Miles Brian Michael Bendis? Mm. How, how how could that be the case? Like is it a vendetta against Bendis? Because it was his <laughs> character that he yeah. created? Like I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, assuming it's not malice, you know, like purposeful malice, like it just seems like they don't know what to do with him. And it's because they keep forcing Peter Parker back into the same situation over and over and over again. Yeah. Or, or you bring you back know, characters like Ben Riley. Well, even that, like, that could be interesting against Miles. Mm. You know, Miles could learn something from Ben. Totally. Kale, compare this to. Wally and um and uh, help me um <laughs> and and Wally <laughs> no ba Barry uh, Barry thank you oh well like ah, geez so in the eighties on Infinite Cri uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths Barry Allen dies Wally West is Kid Flash and he's uh you know college something. So Wally West takes over as the Flash. He's got, at this point, uh, before Barry comes back in the 2010s, Wally's got something like 20 years of being the Flash, the right. Flash, and the one that everybody thinks of uh, before Barry comes back. So like there are generations of people, our generation, who think of Wally as the Flash. And I think I think the thing is with the flashes, especially, is that Barry was the Flash in like the Silver Age, where stuff was goofy, and then Wally started getting like real development. Um, and then you'd see stuff, you know, that that harkened back to Barry, and you uh, and you sort of idolize Barry this, the way Wally did. Mm. I think Miles needs that. 
in some form or fashion. I'm not saying kill Peter Parker. You could kill Peter Parker. Uh, but like he needs to go away so that Miles can have his time. Otherwise, what are they doing? If Miles was in main 616 Marvel during Superior Spider-Man, I think that would have helped. Yeah, uh, he hadn't made it over at that point. Nope. Uh, you could you could be could be right. Um, maybe maybe Dan Slott could have you know done some stuff with him, but I think I sort of wonder what that would have done. You know, do you still have? the superior Spider-Man book with Otto as Peter? Or do you treat him like a, a sort of hands-off, what's he out there doing, you know, and then give Miles the Spider-Man book? Um, and then, you know, occasionally you hear about Peter in the distance doing shady stuff, but Miles has got to, like, he's got to deal with New York now. And I don't know, may, maybe you're right. Yeah, I think that that is, the absence of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, creates a space for Miles yeah. that hasn't that hasn't existed. It just never existed. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Marvel still had Bendis, so you could have had Miles be written by Bendis, drawn by Pacelli, filling the void in New York of. Him knowing something is wrong with Peter. Yeah. And he's the only one that knows it. Everyone else might think it. I know they, they kind of was like, oh, Peter's acting funky. Miles knows. Yeah. Yeah. And he has to do something about it. But he also has to be the Spider-Man of New York. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. 16. That is compelling. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's the that. recipe for Spider-Man. I think, yeah, I think I, think I sort of pitched this last week as... Um, as my Avengers team or whatever, uh, Peter sort of decides, listen, Earth and regular superhero shit isn't working out for me. I'm going to go hang out with the Avengers. I'm going to do some cosmic shit. Uh, have at it, Miles. Yeah, I think yeah. that would do a ton for uh, both of them, frankly. Why is it the case that in the Miles Morales video game, the creators of that game figured out, hey, in order to make a Miles Morales video game, Peter Parker cannot be in this game as a <laughs> as Spider-Man. It's common sense. If Peter Parker is Spider-Man in a Miles Morales game, then you, the player, will say, well, shit, how come I can't play as Peter? Yep. They took him out of the game. Same thing as a reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully this run is good. I'll, I'll 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 leave it at that. I have no desire for this to do bad. I want it to be good. I want to read Miles comics. These uh, Peach Momoko variants, hot fire. Ooh, this yeah the the uh, she's got one for the old, the new old costume, uh, the with the hoodie or one. whatever. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. This one's yeah, good. She's a cool talent. stuff. I wanna, I wanna talk about, 
I want to talk about the craziest shade I saw all week in comics. And it comes from none other. No one can throw shade the way that Steve Jeppy throws shade. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Ooh. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yes. So Dark Horse, the, the headline is that Dark Horse is going to be exclusively distributing their single-issue comics through Penguin Random House. Wow. So they are mm-hmm. the next publisher to make that jump, leaving the premier publishers at uh, Diamond, Image, and Boom. Image and Boom wow. are the last like big-deal publishers left over there for single-issue uh, comics. It's a good move, frankly. Agreed. It's working out <laughs> great for everybody else. Free shipping yeah, yeah. sounds amazing. Yep. Um, and it's also worth pointing out that Penguin Random House got their stuff together when you know when it when they first partnered up with Marvel. Um, there was a lot of complaining about you know books coming you know bent or with the edges messed mm. up or coming late or whatever. They have made that right several times over. And again, free shipping. Uh, <laughs> this is what the representative of Jeppy Family Enterprises, which is the <laughs> name of their, their overall company, which encompasses Diamond, Alliance, Baltimore, something or other. I read that shit. I said, wait. Jeppy Family Enterprises owns Baltimore. That's pretty cool. Owns the whole city of Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so, that, But this is what he said. And you tell me if you read this how I did. I read this and I said, holy shit, we have to talk about this. <laughs> this is what he said. Dark Horse has been our valued partner for close to 30 years, and we are pleased that Diamond remains a key source for Dark Horse comics and graphic novels to the direct market domestically and internationally. Okay, that's true. We are so pleased, or we are also pleased to maintain our role as distributor of Dark Horse merchandise worldwide. It's important to note that while Dark Horse is an established name in the industry, the expected impact of this change to Diamond's Dark Horse direct market sales represents only approximately 1% of Diamond's top line sales, inclusive of comics, games, merchandise, and pop culture items. We are so much more than just comic book distribution. Wow. Diamond and all the Jeppy Family Enterprises companies have worked strategically and successfully to diversify over the years, with our most recent example being the launch of Overstreet Access, blah, 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 blah. I look forward to our continued service of the direct and book markets, as well as the continued growth of the GFE portfolio of companies. Damn, yo, he said Dark Horse ain't shit. <laughs> he said, go ahead, leave. You're less than a pre- I don't give a shit. I could poop and it has more value than you. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Savage. That was good. That was well done. Every time that a publisher leaves Diamond for direct market single issue, they do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, what else are you going to, I mean, you, you have to react in a certain way. And I think the way that 
because they're still a private company is my understanding and so you need to be able you, you need to evoke a, a positive outlook for a negative uh for this kind of negative interaction mm-hmm. you want to be able to say sure yes we're we're adapting we're changing we're moving things are different but the the diamond comics that you know or the the jeppy family whatever it is that you know that's not changing and that's right. still secure and that is the uh, that will not be uh shaken and or that's e- what he's trying to say sorry or even even to the point of like you know okay you don't know uh diamond or the jeppy family business you're worried about the dark horse back catalog don't right. worry we still got it exactly exactly and and that's the thing to evoke here and i think that was well done and Hey man, if you gotta, you gotta throw a little shade. Sometimes you gotta, you know, remind them who they were. That's it. <laughs> but this is why I love that Diamond is a family business, <laughs> because, like, let's say it was Penguin Random House, for example, for some reason that was losing um, mm. business. They wouldn't mm. say, "Oh yeah, this shit was irrelevant anyway." They would say they would deliver the essential same message, which you laid out, Marco, expertly. But they would do it in a way that was professional. This was straight petty, yeah. yep. and that's what yep. I love about it. So I hope Diamond never goes away for that exact reason. <laughs> you want to see them continue to throw the companies under the bus? Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, I I also wanted to quickly read some reactions from uh, some comics shop owners regarding this because every time this happens i always like to see what they have to say and bleeding cool always puts together reports about that so um i'll i'll go through that a little bit so brian hibbs owns comics experience in san francisco we've shared his thoughts many times especially when dc left diamond um so he said um i thought this letter from jeppy was astonishingly petty and if i were a remaining diamond comics distributing publisher I'd sure be wondering what they're saying about you behind your back. Diamond has now had three years to fix their underlying problems with shipping and costs and inventory control and messaging since DC said they were leaving. They've had about three decades of retailers complaining to the upper management team about shipping, and they have steadfastly refused to do a damn thing about it. Even modest changes would have resolved most of it, but they've done fuck all. I want a healthy Diamond Comics, and I way, way, way would rather buy all of my comics and products from them. But Diamond made that impossible. Don't blame other people for your inability to change. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I'm. It's been interesting to see the past few years how all of this is like the fallout of everything. Um, I know when we first brought it up, uh, a few of us were skeptical about how how long-standing this would be, whether or not other publishers would follow suit. Um, I think I was particularly enthused about this this shift away from Diamond, and uh, I figured, you know, other companies would follow suit because it makes sense from a business standpoint. Like, at the end of the day, if you're not performing as an actual uh, catering to needs, catering to your clients, if you're not performing, then why are you going to do a Pikachu face when you, another company needs it, right? Like... <laughs> Oh, like exactly to Hib's point is fix the shit you have. Don't focus on growth. Focus on retain and on retention because you need to make sure that the people that you're there with stay with you. Because yeah, it's only one percent of your business, and according to you, but well, Marvel wasn't, DC wasn't. Like you fucked up. 
in image comics yeah. probably not gonna be right if they get if they look at this and say hey you know what why do we, why do we need diamond comics you're the only two big publishers are boom um and image at the moment maybe idw if you want to fill them in there but that's small potatoes compared to the shit you've already lost step it up yeah exactly right and mark dixon uh had a a great point uh he was the owner of a, of a comic shop in ohio uh this is something i never thought of Diamond should have consolidated Alliance Game Distribution and Comics Distribution together a long time ago. Alliance still has free freight on money orders. If a retailer had game product going out on a Monday, then comics could be included for free shipping. And all coming from the same warehouse. That would have helped retailers tremendously. Wait, so does that mean you get two shipments? One from Alliance and then one from... Oh, that's so stupid. That's and, asinine. And one is free and one is not. <laughs> that's so dumb. And the comics, which are arguably harder to sell, are the ones that's not free. Wild. When you Wait. could easily do it together. It's the same company. A a lot. Mm. Alliance is uh, like board games and stuff? like, game, like Card games, it? board games. Think, yeah. Okay, okay. That would be like if you ordered food from... Let's say Popeyes, for argument's sake. And they sent you your chicken for free. But you had to pay uh, uh, to have the, the fries brought to you. Oh, and it came biscuit. at a different time. That's so funny. Like all, all of it's just like Frankenstein pieces from like different, uh, different <laughs> Popeyes around the city. Aren't, um, isn't there, uh, what's it called? Uh, rallies and, um, isn't there the a checkers, rallies, che and checkers, rallies and checkers. That'd be like if you got your fries from rallies, but your burger from checkers. Yeah. Yeah. Good ass fries, dude. Uh, tremendous. Well, why get them to, wouldn't you want them together? For sure. Shit makes no sense. Great. Yeah. yeah this is, this is going to be interesting because, um, Dark Horse making this move. Okay, that's big. Um, they they also have a large line of, of manga, which is the the other piece of business that they're being really heavily invested in. Mm -hmm. um, that's a huge piece, and I can only imagine, considering how popular manga is, that's not. I'm assuming that's not less than the one percent of Diamond's top line at the moment. But um, they were one of the few publishers, American publishers, that also had that included in in their offerings, and so now Diamond's losing that also. Uh, I think that's important to note because those are two different audiences and you're yeah. appeasing to both in one and now you don't have that. Uh, yeah. And how much how much longer until they lose the you know, the dark horse back matter, the dark horse collectibles, the you know Image. Dark Horse likes Penguin Random House, like But dude, why would you even stay with Diamond after they shit on you like that? Right, exactly. I'm yeah. on the first boat out. Well, yeah. it, I'm I'm assuming there's like different contracts for different things. Sure. So like you're you're locked into one, but you're free on another one. And as soon as I can, yeah, I'm saying, hey, Diamond, see you later. You I'm, can publish. You can publish our stuff overseas. Go ahead. Sure. At, at this point, I'm already making plans to figure out. All right, how do I exit this early? How do I make the appropriate steps to make it as smooth a transition as possible? Dark Horse was uh weren't they bought 
by a, a Chinese overhead company. Am I crazy for the, a parent company? Are you thinking Lion Forge? I think there's something to that, but I don't remember exactly. I, but I, I think there's something to that. Take a quick look. No matter who Embracer, owns them. Embracer. Embracer Group. Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Back in December last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Swedish gaming company. There you go. Oh, Swedish. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it may be darkest for Diamond right now, but the day is dawning for DC. Hey. Because what a what a transition! Well Thanks. done. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths is ending uh, in December with issue seven, and that's going to lead into the next big overarching um, era for DC, which is called Dawn of the DCU. Uh. Now, you'll notice if you are looking at the... <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Appreciate it. I've been doing this for a while. If you notice uh, on the image that I have shared with you guys, um, and I'll explain it for the audio listeners, um, it is Nightwing sort of like in this almost like religious, religious pose. Um, light. Yeah, it looks sort of cosmic. When I saw this, I thought of Kyle Rayner. I thought of Brightest Day. I don't know if this was meant to okay. evoke that at all, but that's what I thought. Um, and if you remember, Brightest Day was, you know, it had that big banner over the, 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 the yeah. issues. Um, and it was supposed to be this new era. This is described as a new editorial regime for DC. Ooh. We've got people who are going to stay. We've got people that we're not going to fire. <laughs> and something that I haven't seen anyone mention about this new era, and it's what's going to sort of uh, help us get into our main topic here in a bit, but this is actually the first time since Dan Didio left where every single thing that's happening at DC has no tie to that era. Oh. Because if you recall, even some of the stuff we were seeing... Oh, to like the New 52. Yes. And... Interesting. To the... uh, Remember the 5G stuff? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the stuff that has happened... Like in the last two years, was still echoes of 5G. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman to a far lesser degree were taken off the board Mm -hmm. and replaced by the new versions. It wasn't Dan Didio's exact vision, but it still happened because in comics, you have to work long ahead. Shit. We were seeing, uh, Stuff that was already drawn that they had to use and repurpose. Yep. This is the first time that that's no longer the case. They have essentially replaced the editorial team, not necessarily by their intent, 
you know, people were fired and stuff like that. You guys remember the upheaval that went on over the last couple of years. Well, they've essentially replaced those people. And now we get to see what the new editorial team wants to say about DC. That is the subject of our main topic. However, I did want to quickly address a one shot that DC is putting out called um, Dark Crisis Big Bang. And this was interesting to me because, and I think I have a slide for that. Taking a, taking a page out of the Kirkcoin era, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so this is going to be written by Mark Wade. Which is already a plus. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be exploring the many worlds introduced in in the, the, the new infinite multiverse, including several of the universes that have been introduced over the last two years, including Justice League or Jurassic League, DC Whoa. Mech, Dark Knights of Steel, and Batman 89, making them Whoa. all canon. That's so cool. Huh. That's actually really cool. Yeah. See, this is this is how you make this is how you have your cake and eat it too, where you make continual multiverses and you get people who are on board like me for Dark Knights of Steel, people who are fans of the uh, OG Superman Batman stuff. Like this is a genuinely good idea to connect all of it and still be able to say well, it's all kind of separate. Right. Exactly. And I think that, you know, Kale would know better, but I think that's sort of what the appeal of the multiverse was. That mm-hmm. you could have these different renditions of these characters and say, well, this is this, but that is that. And they don't necessarily have to overlap or care about each other, but sometimes they do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when they do, it's part of the larger history. That's it. Right. And so cool. this issue will take place... Uh, Timeline-wise, just after issue four of Dark Crisis, um, this is what Mark Waid had to say. Dark Crisis Big Bang is a celebration of DC's nearly 90 years of imagination and invention. In its way, it's my own personal love letter to the DC Universe, my way of helping new readers discover and longtime fans rediscover all its vibrancy and excitement. Hmm. You know, you know they have a a new editorial team when they let Mark Wade just have the reins. It's a good idea. It's a very yeah. good idea. One thing that I think a lot of like comic book readers don't know about is the behind the scenes stuff of comics. Yeah, and the fact that Mark Wade could not write at DC for I don't know what was it twenty years plus twenty years, yeah, just because. Of who the editor of like who was running DC at the time is crazy to me, and he loves DC Comics, and he didn't do anything wrong. Like it, it's so, it's so petty, and I love that comics has that element to it. But like, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you got to listen to podcasts like this to find that stuff out. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for this. This is awesome. Uh, so Dan Dan Jurgens is going to contribute art to this, but a lot of other artists will as well. Um, they haven't been announced yet, but uh, I think this is going to be really cool. Huh. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Uh, as a way to explore, uh, I, I started uh, reading FF, 
and like the opening pieces where it's just sue and the the kids and the future foundation just like exploring shit mm-hmm. I'm like oh this is rad because they're just continuing to go into the universes that they make this feels like an extension of that conceptually where we're going to just explore the things that have become popular that have the things that are that exist in the world to just bring a different light to them yeah fun that's what it feels like fun yeah agreed but all this positive about dc and i think this is their last shot (laughs) i really do this is the second sort of like major shift that they're doing in two years because I believe Dark Knight's Death Metal was two years ago. Oh. And that was a major shift. It was supposed to be. This is the second one they're doing in two years. DC cannot do this again in another two years. And if this doesn't work, and it doesn't, you know, sort of revitalize their sales and numbers, if it's what the New 52 ended up being, I think DC might be in big trouble. That's what we're going to talk about in our main topic. We will be back for you watching on Twitch in five minutes or less. Stick around. See you real soon. Hey, we're back. We are back. Uh, we did it, y'all. We did it. We made it. And we did it, Joe. I want to say, first of all, thank you if you're still watching. Uh... Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a follow if you're watching on Twitch. Subscribe on Twitch. That would be great. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, that means that you have an Amazon Prime Twitch subscription, which you can give us for free. If you have been entertained by this show and you feel generous, we would appreciate that very much. Um, uh, Catherine said, I'm about to buy Sunday Comic-Con tickets. I need to justify it somehow. Hey. hey yeah, you should do that. You should Come do that. through. Yeah. We'll hang out. Come um, see your favorite boys. Yeah. Minus your favoritest boy. <laughs> Can't well, have he'll be, everything, he'll be there. Kale. He'll be there. He's going to be on the iPad. Also, if you somehow missed the announcement, we are going to be interviewing the one, the only Jeff Johns next week here on the show, 1015 a.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash the comics pal. So make sure that. You know, you come hang out for that. If you can't make it, that's cool. Send your questions anyway. Um, And, of course, as always, the episode will go up on all our feeds. So you will be able to catch it down the road if you can't make it. But please do make it if you can. Um, Let's talk about the DCU comics. Oh. The DCU, not the FU. (laughs) And what the future holds for DC Comics. Now, I said before, I think this is their last chance. I feel like DC has all the pieces in place for this next era to be the best one since I started reading comics. I really do. But they have some things that they have to address and do in order for that to be the case. And so what I'd like to do is just break down what I think about that and then you guys tell me if I'm wrong or whatever. So... Before you even get started, yeah, sure. I mean, I have the answer. Oh. I know I, I solve it. I can solve it right now. Oh, okay, yeah, please do. They need to bring the line back to two ninety nine. 
<laughs> if we were doing a top five, that would be number one. Number number one with a bullet. Number one with three bullets. Number one with two ninety nine bullets. How about exactly, that? Exactly. Exactly. Damn. Yeah. Uh. So here's the thing. Dark Knight's death metal ended, and if you recall, it promised a lot of stuff. They introduced the concept of the, I think it was called the totality, which was yeah. supposed to be like this, this like almost like Justice League um, space station or whatever. Yeah. Where they were going to, you know, thwart off the threats that were coming from wherever, and it was going to be this, you know, crazy team. I think it had, um, God, who did it have? It had it, Vandal Savage was on it. It had, it had like, all kinds of – Lex Luthor was on it. That's where Barry Allen went. Yep. Right? Like, yes. that's why he's not in the mainline continuity. Yep. Barack yeah. Obama, the Superman. <laughs> oh, my God. Is, Got the uh, carrot, right? Yeah, yeah. They introduced that concept. They talked about the Else Worlds and all these different things that they discussed. And – Essentially, none of that has been revisited. Joshua yeah. Williamson did stuff with uh, Captain Carrot. He did stuff with um, the black Superman, whose name I can't recall, unfortunately. Barack Obama. <laughs> President Superman? President Superman, thank you. Um, Former President Superman. Yep. And that's kind of it. Scott Snyder laid a groundwork for the future of DC, which I would imagine he was asked to do. Otherwise, why would you waste your page space doing that? And then they didn't even use it. Yeah. Um, that sort of makes sense, given where everything has been editorially. Um, but the reason why I bring it up is because I feel like there's a there's been a history at DC of things happening that matter in that exact specific moment and then never again. I got another example. Hmm. What is the tale? What's the fallout of Doomsday Clock? Oh, nothing, dude. Nothing. That 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 was a nothing burger, and it was propped up to be one the first introduction of Watchmen back into mainline into mainline DCU, and that was going to be this momentous occasion. And what was it? Doctor Manhattan created the DC universe, and there was so much there, and yeah, no follow through. Mm-hmm. What was the fallout, other than the Wally stuff, and I guess the Poison Ivy stuff, of Heroes in Crisis? Now, <laughs> that event wasn't great, but I don't frankly care how good or bad an event is. If it's an event, it has to have fallout. Right. Otherwise, who cares? Wasn't the fallout... I mean, would, didn't we see that in the... Was it Flash Forward? Where Wally went wherever Wally went and got oh, the yeah. Dr. Manhattan powers and then the Metron oh, yeah. chair. Yeah. That yeah. I interpreted as a redemption for Wally. I do too, but I think ultimately I think that was the fallout. Like I don't think that, you know, I don't necessarily know if that was planned, but I think that's what allowed everything to coalesce into death metal or whatever the fuck yeah that that's like uh that's like uh um that's like uh oh shit 
we got to redeem this thing that we did. <laughs> so let's do it. Like it came way later. Like I, I, I'm talking about like, you know, you establish this, this whole uh, playground now, yeah. you know, and then you don't do anything with it. And that's what it feels like DC's kind of been doing for the last several years. And so that's the first problem that I think they have to tackle. There have to be stakes. There have to be. If something, it, however Dark Crisis ends, it has to cascade and it has to lead into something. So the fact that there's a banner, the dawn of the DCU, that gives me hope that they will do this. There has to be follow through. That, hmm, well, we don't know how it's going to end. But that follow through has to be a revitalization of the Justice League Um and then from there, stuff have to just has to continue to spill out. And I'm hoping Nightwing, because that's the thing that confuses me is like, how is Nightwing going to play into this if we know at the end of the day that Justice is coming back? Like, why is he the face of this? I personally interpret it as I have always felt Nightwing is the main character of DC. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but to me. He's their Spider-Man. He's the one who's grown up in D.C., lived amongst the gods, always been a man. And he's the character that is the focus of Dark Crisis. So if anyone's going to solve the crisis, then I think that it should be Nightwing. And I would imagine that that will come with some kind of momentary power boost Hmm. uh, or something of that nature. To make this image make sense, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind of power, um, and you know, cool because night. That's a great way forward. Yes, build around Nightwing. Do more with Nightwing. Absolutely, I'm I'm all in on that idea. Um, but even if they solve that problem, I think there's another problem, and I think it might be a bigger problem. Right now, Dark Crisis is telling us that the Justice League is dead, meaning that the principal members of the League are gone. Right. If you buy, right now, Batman by Chip Zdarsky, Batman is alive and well, being threatened by failsafe, saved by Superman. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is simultaneously dead... But also on Warworld. Oh, that's right. Damn. Can't do that. Not to me. DC, in my time span of being a fan of their books, has always been the company that is so concerned with you understanding their continuity and making it clean and clear and understandable, but then also not respecting it at all. Right. You have an event right now that is taking place that is literally all about continuity. But at the same time, it doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form because the characters that are dead are in their own books, doing their own things, not referencing the event in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that works. I think sales will rise if you say, hey, Superman's off the board for a few months. Buy the number one when he comes back. Imagine if they were able to say, Dawn of the DCU, Superman number one, 
Batman number one, Wonder Woman number one. Mm, they can't do that. They have to finish up all the other storylines. They have to figure out what what to do with the current, to your point, the current row of characters that still exist. And unless they do something with like, these are all in multiverses, but then that feels like it, it complicates and muddles the message of the dawn of the DCU. I'm saying Failsafe could have started, what, two months later? Sure, right. Even Even a simple caption, you know, an editor's note. You know, it's not like DC has never done that. Oh, they're the king of that. To say, yeah. oh, this takes place before yeah. Dark Crisis or even after. I don't care. Do something to make me know that the continuity of your line that you constantly do events about matters. Something. I'd take an editor's note. Fuck it. You don't want to lose money well, on publishing Batman comics? I get it. Give me an editor's yeah. note. Well, and like it, it's it's weird for this event that there are no tie-ins, especially right. in the the major character books. Hmm. Batman's yeah. dead, but he's in the books, but his books aren't referencing that at all. Well, you can't, you can't, because he is dead in one and he's alive in the other. You you just can't create a crossover through that because that that actual story continuity is not. It's not present and i think i think it's confusing but i I, i'm not a stickler for canon and stuff like that in 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 that same way like i i'm i'm also a bit more separate of the the event space and like the the dynamics of it i think the stuff we've been covering for marvel has introduced me more so to that but for dc it's always felt like those things can be disparate and I'm more okay with that because it's been the status quo for DC. I'd have issue with that, I think, now that I think about it for Marvel because of how focused they are on keeping things in line with each of the titles. And as much as I complain about it, I think it makes logical sense. And I like that in in the books. Um, But for this, there's there's no clean way to... You're going to have to kill them in their individual books. Like Superman's going to have to die in War World. Joseph's gonna have to win, kill, and like kill uh, Batman, and then the dawn of DCU comes up, and it's like, oh, here we are from we're starting back from scratch. That's the only way I can envision it working and playing together. But it's not like they haven't done that millions of times, you know. And and that's fine, but I think to salvage the continuity of it, you need to do that in these books. And the, the next this arc of Failsafe, Batman has to die. The this arc of Warworld. Superman has to die. Otherwise, then what are we doing with this relaunch? How are we relaunching it? Well, I think that what I'm referring to is what they need to do going forward. I think it's it's too far gone right now. There's no way to solve the problem as it is because it, it already happened. Mm-hmm. And Batman and Superman didn't die that way. They died fighting um, uh, uh, you know, the hordes of, of enemies that this guy brought on. What's the name of uh, the Pariah? villain in Dark Crisis? Pariah. Pariah. Yeah, they died fighting Pariah. So Batman doesn't have to die fighting Failsafe because he already died fighting Pariah. What they should have done was either editor's note, like Kale said, or just not done these these stories yet, waited a, a beat. For, for Superman's story, you can't do that. That's been going on for like a year plus. 
give that an editor's note. For Batman, you can just wait. I don't think it's that crazy to wait a few months. Or a third option, and this is probably what I, I would have preferred personally, is the Worlds Without a Justice League stories that they've done as one-shots, do those in the books. Do a, yep. a three-issue yep. arc yep. for that version of Batman. Do the same yep. thing for Superman and the same thing for Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you get the advantage of being like, we're starting this new thing, clean slate. Here is Chip Zdarsky on Batman number one. That's hot fire. That's a good uh, fluidity of, of, of messaging. Well, and the other thing in Batman right now, too, is he's gone through this massive life shift of, you know, losing his, his fortune or whatever. Right. That, that was the first I'd heard of that. And fucking it's it's a whole new world for Batman. So he's already had a massive, you know, reset. Mm. Right. And by the way, the idea that I just presented, if you like it, I'm not a genius. I didn't come up with that. That's exactly what they would have done in 2007. That's how events used to be. Yep. They just don't do those things anymore. And I think that something was lost because they're afraid of turning people off by having events that force books to tie in. We talked about that a little earlier. But the fact is that when you don't do that, it leads to this situation. And so all I'm saying is in the future, I think DC should, if you want to make me believe that continuity matters, prove it in your own books. Uh, but wasn't wasn't the thing with the uh, uh, whatever the fuck the last the last thing was that continuity doesn't matter? Yes, like all the stories oh, are yeah. just stories. That's right. Yeah, yep. but now yeah. they do. The, the the Omegle verse or whatever it's called. The Omniverse, but oh, now okay. that's gone. That doesn't. That's not a thing anymore. Wait, what? Now it's this. Now it's the the the, the infinite Earths. Oh, that's right. Inf- the, yeah, yeah, but yeah, what I'm talking about was that editorial edict from I don't know 2015 or whatever the fuck. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that was that was a thing, right? But then Dan Didio, who is a you know veteran titan of DC, said. No, we need to show and be able to prove that everything matters and everything happened, right? So there's this confusion and this mixed messaging. If you – this is so crazy. We haven't even talked about this on the show yet. If you read the uh, Jeff Johns um, – what's the event that's going on uh, uh, that with the with Batman's uh, father from the Flashpoint? Flat, Flashpoint. Is it Flashpoint Beyond? The fl- yes, Flashpoint Beyond, the Flashpoint sequel. In that book, Jeff Johns essentially spoils the end of Dark Crisis and kind of sort of says that what they're dealing with over there and what they're trying to do with the concept is irrelevant. So at the exact same time that your premiere event is being published, you have another event being published where the messaging of that event is different than the one that, you know, is supposed to be the big summer blockbuster. Hmm. Messy. Right. It cannot be that way anymore. You can hate Marvel Comics if you want to, right? One thing you can't say is that they have continuity problems. They don't. It's all sort of one straight track. And... 
when people kind of thought they might have some continuity problems, Jonathan Hickman did Secret Wars. Mm. And that was a one-time thing that they did. And they haven't touched it again, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And here they are going back to the crisis well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, generally when Marvel does it, like, it's a smaller level villain, you know, a Norman Osborn, uh, 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 who did Siege. Uh, Siege, well, Siege was Norman. It was no okay, yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a giant universe resetting thing. They can, you know, they might have a hard time beating the bad guy, but oh, okay, finally it's done. Now we can do something a little different. Right. Whereas, whereas with DC, it's like, oh god, the whole universe, the whole line, the whole company's got to go out the window into the trash. And that is another point that I wanted to make. Stories that don't have the universe. In balance. Why can't. Lex Luthor have a big plan. That leads to an event. You know. Legion of Doom versus Justice League. But not as like a BS little event. Something major and cool. Mm. That has seeds planted. Over the course of a year or six months. Or whatever. That leads to you know something awesome. Why can't Darkseid have a big plan. That doesn't have the universe at play. You know, there are other characters you can use other than Pariah and Anti-Monitor. Right. Even the stuff on Warworld right now, like you could you, you can do a whole cosmic style, like event there because he's on another planet. The heroes have to come save him. Whatever. There's a lot you can do within the context of the stories being told that don't necessarily need you to reactivate this entire line restart. Like you could probably do uh, a restart of everything just coming out of the events of war world like what are the consequences now how does this affect the larger dc at uh, the larger dc universe that's at play at the moment those 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 have ripples it reminds me reading black as night i was thinking about this and before well yeah before the new 52 at flashpoint and everyone was dead Fucking and you and you know they reference all the people that have died. If they haven't died, they've died and come back, or they've you know they just there's so much history that was so deeply interwoven, and you know you use it or you don't use it, but it's all there. And you know, like you know, just like you're describing, like I was just thinking of. Um, uh, the like it's like the Dominator War or whatever, mm. um, you know, uh, a nothing event, you know, in the grand scheme of it, but like it was a whole universe wide thing, and you never hear about it, but like it was just just another thing, right? And you know they have to do these massive event level things with the monitor and the anti-monitor every other year as you know it's not exciting anymore right like who really was that hype for uh the batman who laughs and portraya perpetua perpetua like perpetual what the who the hell is that and the batman who laughs 
felt like a a a a, a kids love chains character. Yeah, you know he what I'm saying. With, like he kept playing with that in uh, Noctera. Looks like too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's essentially the same guy. So yeah, I just feel like bring the events down to not small scale, but events that affect Earth only. For example, you know events mm-hmm. that like Blackest Night. Yes, it affects. It has wider implications, but it's not like, oh yeah, after this, you know, the universe will never be the same again. Either way, like no matter how this, no matter who wins, the universe will never be the same. Um, and when I say universe, I mean like multiverse. Like, what if this next event just affects the one universe? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't always have to be that. But my last point. And this is something that I think DC's actually gotten right this year, is to shuffle the deck and focus more on characters who aren't the same characters that we see all the time. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths with Nightwing as the main character, you have Black Adam in a role that's non-traditional. You have set like the new like weird Justice League is filled with characters you would not expect. Um, Superman's son John is 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 front and center. I think that Joshua Williamson has done all of that right, and taking the Justice League off the board was the right choice. Obviously, they have to come back. How do you allow those characters to level up, which I think DC has generally been good at mm. historically over the last 40, 50 years, while also having your established characters? You cannot kill... Batman for 40 years to make Nightwing feel relevant, they have to be there at the same time. They did it with The Flash. It's just a different time. I don't think Warner would ever allow it. Yeah, you certainly could do it now. Yeah. I think uh, to something that Kale had mentioned uh, when we were talking about the Marvel stuff, like if for Miles, let's say, where you know Spider-Man goes off to do Avengers stuff, I mean, if, if you keep... Bruce Wayne and uh, uh, Clark and Wonder Woman, all of those as as uh, the Justice League to go do larger, uh, more impactful, I guess, heroics. And then you keep the new characters, Yara Floor, to stay and do some of the smaller stuff at home on Earth and Jonathan Kent in the same situation. And then you can kind of like have those characters be groomed into the positions of uh, where historically uh these larger characters would be where where clark would be in metropolis saving the city now you have john doing the same thing and they're off doing whatever they need to be doing to save you know the multiverse or a universe this the scale you can play with the scale of the adventures and rotate in the this new cast of characters and give them just like a starting ground to like actually get to know them and have people and readers uh get attached to them because i want to learn more about yara floor but all the stuff that's been going on with Wonder Woman, the the Amazon War, the trials of all that stuff, like it was confusing, and there's too much going on, and not enough of that was dedicated towards me just figuring out, okay, who is this new girl? Like, what, how do, what do I know about her, and why do I care about her in comparison to Wonder Woman, who's off doing, she became like this god thing, right? Like, there's a lot there that you need to resolve, and that you can resolve with storytelling. I don't think DC can keep doing that because they did it with Wonder Woman. She's gone. Superman's been gone. Batman was poor and exiled or whatever. 
So that was the that was the five G strategy, right? Like, mm-hmm. and 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 we saw it play out. And I think Yada was a casualty of the fact that she was tethered creatively to Joel Jones, who is not traditionally a writer and didn't quite have it figured out beyond a visual what to do with that character. But I think if you mm. look at John, that's a success blueprint. Mm. Superman has been gone. But that's not the most interesting part of John's story. The most interesting part of John's story is that John was gone. When John left and was with his grandfather, he came back a teenager. Now we have a character, oh shit, we don't know him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's different. What's up with him? Now he's got a boyfriend. Now he's got these experiences that he had on another planet. Now I give a shit. It didn't take his father to be dead or gone for him to become compelling. It took a good idea. And that's all it is. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. What's, uh, and sorry, I don't know if you've Go ahead. Uh, What's something that you want to see, like a positive come out of Dawn of the DC? Like, like what, what is the thing that they need to prop up to be successful? My answer is twofold. You're saying prop up. I think prop up the villains because I do think that DC has a bit of a villain problem because their events are always so massive. Um, if you were to do, say, like a, a Lex Luthor event where he's not suddenly cosmically powered, people might say, oh, I don't care about that. We just saw the universe at play. Mm-hmm. Lex, Vandal Savage, I think is another one. I think Rachel Ghoul is another one. There are several others that you make matter. Don't use them in the Batman or Superman books. Take them off the board. The reason why it mattered whenever Thanos uh, came back was because you didn't see him often. You know what I'm saying? When was the last time you bought a comic book and Kang was in it? These villains don't get used a lot in that role because when they do, it's something big. And DC has to be better about that. They have to level their villains up. So that's the one part. And then the second part is essentially what I already addressed about the younger heroes. I would like to see a Legion of Doom versus the new Justice League. How does John and Damien and Yada and all these people, how do they stack up with the Legion of Doom? What does that look like? You know, when will John save the world? The way that Superman has countless times. Hmm. To make him a, a major player. When is Nightwing gonna save them? Like, there's so many characters that are bubbling that you can say, hey, let's make them A tier. Or let's take them from C and make them B. And yeah. I think DC has to focus on that. I like that. I like that as a as a as an idea, bringing like raising the 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 status of those characters because you're right, like Nightwing 
he's not b tier he's definitely a tier but like he has the potential to be like s tier right now yeah. like he has the potential to really change the trajectory of his own character or they the dc has the potential to change the direction of his character his role in the universe and i think that that's really important and you can do that with a few different characters um i think from like a, a publishing line perspective the uh, i think a consolidated banner under all of this would be really helpful because right now we have the black label stuff we have the dc horror things we have sandman universe there's all these disparate niches built out and if they're trying to tie everything together i think it all has to be under a single message to be able to say okay this yes this is a maybe black label book that discusses this but it's affected it's related in some way to the larger strategy that we have for dawn of the dcu you need to have those pieces connect in my mind because then otherwise you're from a, a publishing standpoint just like uh, from the the way it's structured you're going to have that be broken out and you're again breaking your own rules about the publishing lines is you don't have that continuity across not only the types of books that you'll be able to put out but you don't have that continuity across um it'll extend beyond just the characters it'll extend into the actual layout of comics published on a weekly basis and i think that's important too because if you're going to the store to pick up a book and you're going to pick up a few different things you want it to have to kind of be holistic because i'm more comfortable picking up all the stories that i know are tied in together to to one thing to, to one narrative than all right this week's dc black label whatever it might be or this week's sandman universe or this week's horror like if if those pieces are, are different i feel more comfortable going and eh, maybe i won't pick up this week's black label actually maybe i didn't wasn't as big a fan of this area of the sandman stuff and i'm gonna let that just kind of like leave that one for this week that's interesting um i agree with you 100 percent on principle i don't care at all about stories that are outside of continuity or not like mainline, right? The only non-continuity line I ever cared about was Ultimate. And that's because it was a universe unto itself, but it had its own continuity and you could follow it. So I'm locked, stock, and barrel with you. The only problem is that we're talking about DC. And I don't think that they've ever really done that. And I certainly don't think that that's where they're going now that they have announced that the infinite universes includes, um, you know, some of the stuff that we've seen ongoing, like Batman 89 and Jurassic League and all that stuff. I think they want to have their cake and eat it too, which is the perennial story of DC Comics. And as much as I don't like it, um, they have had some success with Black Label and uh, some of that other stuff. So what I would say is a way to do that, what you're saying, and also allow them to have their cake is to focus more on continuity in the mainline DC. Make it matter more inside of the confines of what we see happen in the main books that are bannered dawn of the DCU. Mm. Black Label? Sure, have it. I don't give a shit. I don't have to buy it. Sandman Universe? Mm. Have it. I don't care. Don't have to buy it. But make sure that what I am purchasing that's mainline feels tight and these stories the stories don't have to be connected necessarily but the world has to feel connected and to me right now it does yeah 
Kale, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, for me to to sort of, you know, answer Marco's initial question, what can DC do? I think it goes back to what I said at the very top of this segment is bring the price down. Fair enough. Genuinely, like, you know, your your big books, you know, we pay $7 for fucking Joker. We don't. I mean, who does that? I mean, uh, nobody here, certainly. (laughs) And we would never accuse someone. Um, but, you know, like, you know, okay, you get a prestige book, you know, a black label, bigger format, longer, you know, more art contact, uh, content, whatever. Okay, fine. But, you know, the books that your meat and potatoes, you know, the books that feed your company, you know, uh, no one can afford. And you're cannibalizing yourself. By making everyone pay, you know, six dollars for uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever, because you say it's important, but all the other books are suffering, and it's like this—it's this false dichotomy of, well, look at the sales on this book. Mm. Of course, of course, this is what people want, but you jacked up the price, and you forced us to pay it so other books would fail. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because it's like, if I have a certain budget Mm -hmm. for comics, Mm -hmm. if the average comic is $4 now and Dark Crisis is 6 or 7 well, shoot, what am I sacrificing to buy Dark Crisis this month? Yeah, exactly. And if it's, you know, if Dark Crisis is your big event and you want people to buy it, you know, why is it $8? Or if you want it to be $6, like I'm at the point where paying $6 for an event book is like, okay, I guess fine. But can the rest of the line be $3? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got books that are $5 that aren't event books. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need that value there because then otherwise, to Kale's point, those books are are not going to be bought. No, I'm not even saying I'm not even saying they need the value there. The books themselves have the value. But the cost that they're asking us to pay is too high. Right. The right. the rent is too damn high. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you. And that that is a comics-wide problem that I think DC has exacerbated by yeah. assuming that if you include a backup, it justifies a yeah. dollar price increase and That's it just right. doesn't. It just it doesn't. It it hasn't. It I don't listen. I have a cousin <laughs> named Scene Barkley, and he told me right. that the Joker backups were irrelevant and that he never read them. So Wild. why are my paying or is he paying a <laughs> dollar more? Not even a dollar more. This shit was seven dollars. Why am I paying three dollars more for one backup that I didn't ask for? You sold me on this Joker story. I'm reading this random backup. I don't care. Fucking uh, Justice League Dark was in the back of Justice League. Oh yeah. And uh, you know what was it when Rom V was buying it, uh, writing it? Yep. It was like better than the mainline book. Should have been its own book. Yeah. So I'm okay. So you're giving me half. 
and less than half the page count of an issue in the back of a book I don't even like, and you're making me pay more for it. Fucking uh, uh, Donny Kate's book just came out this week, Vanish. I paid two thirty for that with my Comicsology discount. Let's go. And that was wasn't that an extended uh, 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 comic? I, th- I think it might have been. Oversized. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. it was 40, 40 something. Yeah. Yep. Two thirty. It's a problem. The DC has to. I, they have to fix it. Yeah. I genuinely like. If people are complaining about buying books, like take the price down. <laughs> like, to me, like that's genuinely that stops me. Yeah. Yeah. You have to consider your, your, the budget that you have available for comics on a weekly basis. Like I, I, I'm only picking up the books now that I know for sure I want to read or we're doing for the show. Otherwise, I, I've I've been trying less and less number ones because I have to pay for these other books now. Mm-hmm. And a higher price point for the same, essentially the same thing you would have been getting. You know, without the backup or whatever. Like, come on. Exactly. It's, it's a ploy. Yep. That is going to be where we leave the conversation on the future of DC. Sound off. Let us know your thoughts. Obviously, um, DC has a big chance to win over a lot of fans. Uh, they have a big chance to really set themselves up beautifully for the future. But it might be their last chance. It might be the last chance with me. Who knows? We'll see. Share your thoughts with us in all the places. Twitch.tv slash the comics pals. Thank you, Kefis. Appreciate that. Twitch.tv slash the comics pals every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. This upcoming Saturday, we will be interviewing none other than Jeff John. So make sure that you come and show out for that. Pals pulls at 6 p.m. Eastern every single Thursday. YouTube.com slash the comics pals. Subscribe for free. Like the video, share it with your friends. Patreon.com slash the comics pals. You can subscribe over there, not quite for free. Um, but for as little as three dollars a month, you can get some awesome content on our part, including the newsletter. We've got a exclusive show over there. We have a lot of cool stuff happening. So go ahead and check that out. Um let's do the plugs. Kale. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at Kelwar.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Marco. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything? No, that's it. That's it. That's all. Marco. I was hoping you can vamp while this plane flies over. And uh, But uh, you can follow me at Mr. Marco Anamoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about... Uh, I've been watching Girls on HBO. I finished Full Metal, Al- Full Metal Alchemist and I decided I need some live action series. So I've been watching that. It's been pretty good. Adam Driver, pretty good job. And um, I need anime recommendations next. I'm thinking some kind of Gundam. So if you have an idea or you think I should watch something that's really, really hot right now, please let me know. Ah, the single you know, life. Yeah, right. Do you know about uh, G Gundam? Yes. I think have I seen that before? I feel I feel like I remember it being a uh, a tournament style anime, but Mobile, with Gundam. Mobile Fighter G. Yes, yes, I remember this. 
I watched it on Toonami back in the day. All right, I'll check it out. I'll add it to the list. It's right there. That sounds cool as shit. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. I am all in this week on Jeff Johns, so I'll be reading a lot of Jeff Johns stuff. We've got the uh, Blackest Night book club that we're going to be pushing out soon. Uh, that should be coming out actually seventh, the fourth of uh, oh. October. Um, so yeah. I'll be reading that here real soon um and obviously preparing for the interview so i'm locked in on that uh hit me up to talk about your love for jeff johns thank you guys so much for listening for kale and marco i'm sean saying we're the comics pal signing out until next time take care guys see you next week